You're listening to Coming Out and Beyond, LGBTQIA plus stories, a podcast that celebrates the wisdom, courage, experience, and joy of individuals in the queer community. Every week, we feature a guest who has a remarkable story to tell about their coming out and the life they've lived beyond. Now here's your host, Anne-Marie Zanzel. Hi, this is Anne-Marie Zanzel, and welcome back to another episode of Coming Out and Beyond LGBTQIA plus stories. I have met a kindred spirit, and I want to welcome her to the show today. Her name is Dr. Robin, Robin Cezanne. She is a licensed psychologist and certified emotionally focused couples therapist. She specializes in working with lesbian and queer couples and has recently developed an online coaching program for lesbian couples. Robin, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Thank you. We are kindred spirits. We are kindred I, spirits. And I am just so happy um, to be back talking with you about what I'm doing, what you're doing. And yeah, thank you. Yeah. So much. Well, every time Robin and I get together, we talk for 25 minutes before we even get to <laughs> why we're getting together. So Robin, um, I would love to hear a little bit about your coming out story. Okay. Um, because of course this is for the podcast, right? Right. Coming out and beyond. Um, so, you know, I am certainly considered a later in life lesbian. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is, um, I lived most of my, my life until I would say mm, my late twenties in a very, very heterosexual path on a very heterosexual path never even considered that there could be a different option um so always dated men and got married um heterosexually married when i was 28 but a little bit prior to that i started developing some curiosity about lesbian relationships and you know my partner and i really joke about this but when I lived in Boston, which was in between college and graduate school, there was this um, singer-songwriter lesbian couple, and their stage names were Jade and Sarsaparilla. Mm -hmm. And I was a little bit obsessed with mm -hmm. them. So I loved their music, but I was also very, very interested in their relationship. And so you know, there were some inklings, right? Inklings early on. Um, but I pushed those aside, um, got heterosexually married and had two children and just said, yep, that's an area of life that I am not going to explore. My marriage, my first marriage was not the best marriage. Um, I was not super happy and I did not feel really emotionally connected to him the way that I wanted to but I really thought like this was this is kind of as good as it gets uh -huh. it's really what I thought and the other piece of it I have to say is that my self-esteem was not so great early on in my life and so you know this was a good guy he checked all the boxes and you know we created a family when I was in my mid-40s, um, mm -hmm. 
I ended up working with a woman as part of a community volunteer project. So um, I, as a therapist and a practice, I have, I have a practice of all women. It was a feminist practice. We partnered with a group home for women who were homeless as well as addicted. And I met Jude, who mm -hmm. is my partner wife at this point. I met her there. Um, and I felt something I never felt. Mm -hmm. And it was like I could no longer put that part of myself away. Mm -hmm. It stirred something in me and it opened up a possibility that mm -hmm. I didn't really know existed. And so I ended up bravely leaving my marriage in the hopes that I could have a different kind of relationship. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the beginning of the story of me coming out. Um, and I left this marriage, which was very, very hard to do, um, and developed a relationship with Jude. And that's now almost 20 years ago. So mm -hmm. we've been now together longer than I, in my first marriage. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, like a lot of women talk to me, and this is what I hear over and over again, and this is what I felt. My experience with her felt like I was coming home to myself. Mm -hmm. I and, absolutely, completely, 100% understand. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is just an amazing feeling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I really didn't. And also a confusing feeling because I remember that of this sense of home. Mm -hmm. And I was like, why do I feel a sense of home with this person? Mm -hmm. I already have a home, right. I, you know, I mean, right. I was getting divorced, but I already have a home. I have children. That is my home. But when I was first with my wife um, and we're very similar in the sense, both of you and I have been with the same person that we, when we came out, you know, mm -hmm. and we're both mm -hmm. married to them. Um, but when I was with my wife, I had such a sense of home mm -hmm. and I mm -hmm. just really like, it really confused me at first, mm -hmm. but then I realized, oh, it's because I'm coming home to myself. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, and I had been missing her for a really long time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. well, I, what, what, what I did was put away that piece of myself. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I was somebody like you, like that thought mm -hmm. about it in my twenties, but in teens, but never really did anything with it. Right. You know, right. my first experience was with a girl, but I put it in the shame category in my memories and not the pleasant categories, um, pleasant yeah. memory categories. But, but that was like, you know, when you, oftentimes when people begin, women begin this coming out process later in life, they will, they will like really have all these recovered memories that they sort of suppressed for years mm -hmm. and years. And I'm not saying like recover, oh, wait a minute, that wasn't. I didn't admire her. I had a crush on her. Right, right. <laughs> you know, stuff like, well, like that. Like, right. It's a reframing. It's of, a reframing. Like, those experiences. Yeah. And you know, my my like in in the summer of like when I was like fourteen, I had like an experience with a girl and an experience with the boy, and because I lived in heteronormative culture, that experience with the boy was filed away as a sweet little memory of my first kiss. You know. 
the experience with the girl was filed away. It's like, I did something really wrong. Yeah. And, and then when I came out, it got refiled <laughs> to the, <laughs> oh, that was pretty normal. Oh, that, for was, somebody. that was my first kiss. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty normal for somebody who's, who's not straight. Right. You know, and so that's right. what happens to a lot of us is that mm -hmm. we reframe our memories. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and for me, um, it pursuing that relationship just became compelling. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, I was going to risk a lot to mm -hmm. change the course of my life, mm -hmm. but it was just, this is what I want to do. So, are you in the process of coming out later in life? Are you feeling isolated or lost, cut off from friends and family, or just trying to figure out what is the next step for you? Well, I have a wonderful coaching program called Lotus Group Coaching. It is for people who are female identifying, cis or trans, or non-binary folks comfortable in this, those spaces. And we provide emotional, spiritual, and intellectual support for people who are in the process of coming out later in life. We discuss many things in our community, but what's most important is that you have a community, a community of others who understand. Each one of the coaches in the program have come out later in life and everybody who is a member of our program is somewhere in the process. So if you are seeking community and you want a soft place to land, go to my website, amoryzanzel.com and book a connection call. We would love to talk to you. And I can't, I, you know, one of the things that, like, I don't want to end my life with a lot of regrets. And this was one of those junctures. If I don't pursue this, you know, how am I going to feel when I'm 80? Right? Well, that's so interesting you say that because I worked in hospice for like seven years before I mm -hmm. came out. Yeah. And I was a hospice chaplain. And one of the things that I wor learned working with all the folk, wonderful folks that I had over the years is that people don't regret the things they, they did. So if they do something and it doesn't work out, they may often make meaning out of it. Mm -hmm. People regret the things they didn't do. Yep. And, yep. I, and I knew that if I didn't explore this part of myself, when I was 80, <laughs> I was going <laughs> to, you know, when I was, no, when I was a hundred lying on my deathbed, <laughs> I would have had regret that yeah. I hadn't gone out and at least explored it, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so I'm really glad that I did that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you mentioned, you know, we've talked a little bit before, what was it like for you when you came out to your heteronormative culture? So it was really with some of the people in my life, it was fabulous. Mm -hmm. you know? So mm -hmm. my, my besties, you know, my, mm -hmm. my best friends, um, and coming out to my parents who were in their early seventies at that time was really quite positive. Like I was really shocked mm -hmm. that they were so understanding and mm -hmm. so supportive 
um, you know, they had questions and, you know, my dad would always go into the nurture versus nature conflict where you're born this way, whatever, but they really were very open in ways that I didn't expect them to be. Well, and I'm sure your dad nurture versus nature was his feeling. Oh, this is my fault. Yeah. That yeah. Robin is not straight. You know, right. because that's right. a lot of parents do that. Mm -hmm. You know, I find, you know, the funny thing is, is that, you know, because I was in church work for a while, I, I find that people who are older, often there are some that don't change, but a lot of people are just often like they've lived life and they have a lot of wisdom. And a lot of times they're just like, I just want you to be happy. <laughs> Know. you know go just do know. what you need to do it, just it, try to be happy exactly. you know because exactly. I think they value happiness and they also mm -hmm. know that it's also can be rare sometimes too. yeah 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 so, so you know so so that was you know my my besties and all that that was all good um what what was hard were you know there were all these other people I'd say in my you know outer layer of acquaintances who knew me as heterosexual they knew that I got divorced, mm -hmm. but then how do I talk to them about, like, cause they just assumed I'd start dating men. Mm -hmm. And and so it, it, what it ended up being was a pretty constant coming out process. Right. Like, like someone would say to me, you know, so, you know, have you met any men? And then I would have to say, well, to, to tell you the truth, I'm now dating a woman, right? And so there was just this constant coming out. And and I, I remember, like, so I had a personal trainer. I still have the same personal trainer, but, um, like, he knew me as heterosexually married. He knew that I got divorced, right? But it's not like it's an everyday conversation between us about my personal life. And so I realized, I don't know, about three years into my relationship with Jude, you know, my personal trainer doesn't know about this. Like, how do I tell him? And isn't it weird that it's been three years? And how do I tell him? So one day I just walked in and I said, I said, Drew, you know, I just got to tell you something, you know, um, you just need to know I'm involved with a woman. It's a really great relationship. And I just didn't know how to tell you without just telling you you know, mm -hmm. and again, you know, he was just totally fine. Mm -hmm. Now, The place where things really fell apart was I had developed and grown a practice of therapists. There were 10 of us in the practice. And when I came out as lesbian, there was a huge divide. Certain people in the practice felt that that was not going to be good for our practice, that people were not going to come see us if the head of the practice was gay. And so we ended up having a big split and the practice split as mm -hmm. a result of it. And, you know, it was a baby that I had grown mm -hmm. this from the ground up. And mm -hmm. that was incredibly painful. Well, and also such a loss, mm -hmm. you know, when you nurture a business from, you know, just you by yourself to having 10 people right. in the practice. And I'm sure it took you by surprise too, because, totally. you know, you would, would assume people who are therapists, right. you know, right. it's their homophobia was showing up. Well, absolutely. Probably absolutely. that they're not aware of at all. No. Has any of them come back to you and since then and said, gosh, we made a mistake. Not a one. 
Huh, very interesting. Not a one. And as a result of that, I really, really learned who my inner circle was. was. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know. So um, Robin has also been on my program, Career Business Success. And so one of the things we were talking about, and we're going to get, now Robin is a couples therapist for lesbians, but what, one of the things I did want to talk to you, Robin, that both of us have experienced is the loss of privilege. Yes. And let's talk about that a little bit, okay. because a lot of times people don't understand what we mean when we talk about that. Right. So right. how do you define it? Well, so, so when you live your life in a heteronormative world, mm -hmm. you don't have to think about a lot of things, right. right? So, you know, when I was heterosexually married, if we went on vacation somewhere, there wasn't a second thought about any kind of public display of affection. Or was it safe? Or was it safe? Right. Right. Um, now at times, like just recently, um, Jude and I were, um, at this lake in Virginia, um, Virginia's a purple state. Purple. Yeah. <laughs> we hope it turns blue, but it's a purple state. Um, and we were in the lake and she very quickly looked at me and said, you know, it's not safe for us to touch here. And this is also one of the things that a later in life lesbian sometimes doesn't understand um, because she has that lived experience over right. and over again. Whereas, you know, I'm la-di-da, I'm in love with a woman, right? Yeah. Um, but again, that's the loss of heterosexual privilege that mm -hmm. you have to think about it. You know, the other thing, and I think you and I have talked about this, this is my biggest pet peeve. And it's not even so much... Um, a heterosexual thing well it is a heterosexual thing when two women walk into a restaurant together they never give them the best table absolutely um, not but it, we don't it, know if it's because of our age or because <laughs> <laughs> but you know it, but I, this has happened with a straight friend of mine right we, was, we went we were sitting at this bar you know ordering a drink and this waitress was over the other side of the bar interacting with these heterosexual couples and this is just a friend of mine she's not even my lover right mm -hmm. and this this bartender totally ignored us mm -hmm. um, you know and and so there's another kind of heterosexual privilege that mm -hmm. that you lose and you know it's it's it, it, it they're little things they're little microaggressions right they're more well there can be major aggressions and I think that because you and I came out when we were 40 plus mm -hmm. that we miss the stuff that the younger lesbians yes. have to deal with you know mm -hmm. we just missed all of the aggressions they get all the time all um the time. like you know oh I can make you straight kind of aggressions and stuff like that mm -hmm. we didn't have to deal with that stuff right. um but I agree with you. I'll never forget. Like um, I was, uh, it was always hard to get from where I lived to Nashville or my, my girl, she was my then girlfriend to visit her. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times I would have to change planes. And like, so I, I flew into Huntsville, Alabama and I was new, you know, coming out as probably a year in or something. And I went to see her, like she was standing right by the car and I went to hug her and she goes, you can't hug me here. <laughs> she goes, you just can't. And, and I was like, oh, okay. And it was like, I, it was just something that didn't even 
occur to me. And so now that I'm sort of aware of it, and this is one thing too. So like your wife and my wife who've been out forever, they're so used to it mm-hmm. that they don't sometimes don't know like the tiny microaggressions. Mm-hmm. Like, and mm-hmm. I think I talked to you about this when you were on the last podcast, like my daughter got married and I went to this regular place we go all the time. They're polite, they're professional, but I was saying, oh, my daughter was getting married. And now I have been in heterosexual world for a long time. And you usually tell another woman that they're like, oh, they're so excited. They just, there was no reaction, mm. nothing. And it was just so slight right. that if, cool. if you were somebody who'd been gay your whole life, you wouldn't have even noticed it, Yeah, you know? Um, yeah. But I did notice it. And mm-hmm. it's, it's like these, it's just, and even people that we love sometimes do it too, you know, not referring to our wife as our wife and saying our partner and stuff like that. They don't, you know, it's just sometimes it's like people just are, you know, it's just, it's tiny, it's small. They don't sometimes don't mean it. Um, but you really do notice the difference of privilege of as living a queer life versus a straight life. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the advantages in some ways you and I have is that, well, it's a loss, but it's an advantage. We lived a heterosexual life, right? right? I call it our superpower. Our superpower. It is it. a superpower because we've lived both sides. We've lived both sides. So right? we get, we, we really understand it. And I feel like there has been a wave of people coming out later in life. I mean, when you did that 20 years ago, it was still relatively rare and yes. there wasn't a lot of connection because mm-hmm. the internet was just coming into existence, right. Right. but because of the internet, we're able to connect with each other. And mm-hmm. so there has been a really explosion of people, or maybe it's always been the numbers, but we haven't ever, you know, noticed it and stuff you know, like that. Yeah. I mean, things have changed a lot and mm-hmm. it's not at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's easier now. Mm-hmm. It's easier out. to find community. Yes. It's much easier to find community, but it's still, no. you know, this is the thing is that, um, I, unfortunately I will be, it, 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 I will be in business until I want to retire mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. you know, a, a lot of the conservative faith traditions, all of that still, whether, you know, Christian, Jewish, Muslim, whatever, any of the conservative faith traditions or just socially conservative people. Um, a lot of that, you know, they keep me in business because a lot of those, all that stuff still exists. And it is, it is easier in a sense for like, you know, being able to meet community and other people, but you still have to deal with all those feelings that yeah. happen for people when they come out and it doesn't matter, you know, I'm, you know, in the 1970s, it must've been horrible because you could get your kids taken away from you if you came out as lesbian. Right. Um, but it is really interesting how um, it's not going away. No, I mean, look well, who was just, rep- look who was just became the speaker of the house. It's right. not going away. It's not going away. And, you know, one of the you know, one of the big things around heterosexual privilege is, and I don't know how much you experience this, but, you know, I live in fear that at some point my marriage will mm-hmm. not be recognized, right? Mm-hmm. And when you're heterosexually married, you don't worry about that. You don't even think about that, right? Yeah. Like, like one of the issues that I, I've been seeing in my lesbian couples is a lot of them chose to get married very quickly because after DOMA was overturned, because they were afraid that 
with a different presidency and a different administration that they wouldn't be able to get married. Mm -hmm. and, and so again, you know, in in a heterosexual culture, people people don't think about it. Doesn't it doesn't even occur to them. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So tell me about your work with couples. So I began working with couples probably about 15 to 20 years ago. So I've been a therapist for 40 years. The first half of my career was spent doing mostly individual work. And part of why I never did couples work was because I didn't feel like I was in a good enough relationship mm -hmm. to do couples work. Mm -hmm. So then when I made major life change and was in a relationship, that was not without its problems, believe me. Mm -hmm. um, but we were we worked on them, right? I I just felt like oh, like I'm now in a relationship that I want other people to be able to, to experience, have. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I just made a decision and got intensively trained in a couples therapy model that really resonated to me. It's called emotionally focused couples therapy, mm -hmm. um, and got got trained in that and just started doing couples work. Mm -hmm. And as I developed that specialty, more and more lesbian gay couples were started seeking me out in part because they knew about me, but also because on our website, you know, we, I talked about, you know, these are the couples that I like to work with and so on and so forth. Um, and so I've been doing couples therapy now for, you know, 15 years or so and decided, well, well, one thing happened during the pandemic, I learned how to do therapy online. Online, yeah. Um, and while I still prefer to see people in my office, um, I can be very effective mm -hmm. online at this mm -hmm. point. Um, and I started thinking about how can I reach this population? How can I reach the population of lesbian couples in a broader way? And so I decided to develop what's called a hybrid coaching program, mm -hmm. um, where I developed a course, an online course um, with weekly lessons and homework assignments um, and things to read, as well as um, coming weekly to mm -hmm. a coaching session and have a private Facebook group. And the, the goal behind that was really twofold, maybe threefold. Um, one is I wanted to have a bigger reach because there are a lot of lesbian couples who are very isolated, isolated just with in their, their own lives, but also isolated in their communities. From community. From like community. They, they, there's a, they right. live in the middle of where there's not much queer community exactly. or not much out queer community. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I do really believe in the power of community mm -hmm. to not feel so alone and also mm -hmm. to normalize what you're experiencing. And so this way, I can um, teach what mm -hmm. I think all couples need to learn, but with some of the nuances focused on lesbian couples, some of the issues around sexual minority stress, around homophobia, around alienation from family, like some of the, you know, the, the different coming out stories. Um, mm -hmm. so, so I want to be able to address those things and also address things like different attachment styles and negative cycles that we all get into and how do we stop those negative cycles and how do we create a more secure connection? 
-hmm. How do we learn to be really accessible to our partner? How do we learn to be responsive? How do we learn to be emotionally engaged? Because the whole tenant of emotionally focused therapy is that emotion is the language of love. Mm -hmm. And so what I really want to help people do in the course, and I also help them in my sessions, is tap into the emotion and learn how to be vulnerable in sharing that with your partner. Mm -hmm. Because when you do that, your partner sees you in a whole different light and they can't help but love you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was going to ask you, so what are some of the core issues? Uh, Like I know you just named a whole bunch of um, of (laughs) issues revolving around the queer community, but what are some of the core issues that you find that most lesbian couples struggle with? It's a good question. It's a good Mm -hmm. question. So I would say one of the top issues has to do with conflict. Mm -hmm. When you put two women together, Mm -hmm. many of whom have been socialized to avoid conflict at all cost and to keep the peace, right? They struggle Mm -hmm. with how to deal with conflict and where conflict often comes up is that lesbian couples often bond early on Mm -hmm. through similarities. And the mental health community has put kind of a negative spin on that and they call it like merging, right? Yeah, of course. It's not merging. Yeah. You know, women bond around similarity, but as they grow in their relationship and as they become again, more of who they are, their differences become apparent. That is often a very challenging point in a lesbian relationship. Questions like, you know, are we really compatible? Can we really be different and also be connected? And because women are not very good at conflict, sometimes what happens is anger, resentment starts building up and ends up coming out in really indirect and at times hurtful ways. So I agree with that. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's 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 one of the first issues that often comes up in in the the therapy that we'll address in the course. Mm-hmm. How do you manage conflict? How do you manage mm-hmm. difference? Um, the other thing that often comes up is we are struggling in our sexual relationship, mm-hmm. and there is a myth out there um about lesbian LBD. Bed- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lesbian bed death. And yep. I'm just going to say it's a myth. It's a myth, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. That's not to say though that there aren't some unique issues when you put two women together. One of them is that again, women are socialized not to initiate. Mm-hmm. Women are also taught that their sexual desires and interests are shameful. Mm-hmm. So we have two women together, neither of whom feels comfortable initiating both of whom might feel embarrassed by their sexual needs. And so what do we have? We have avoidance, okay? Mm -hmm. And so it's not that there's no interest, it's that the mechanisms of getting your sexual relationship online after the initial honeymoon phase, right? Right, Right. um, becomes a little bit challenging. Yeah, I would say so. You know, and, and also, right, and also as part of that, I mean, one in three women have experienced some kind of sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. 
chances are one of the women in the couple is going to have had a sexually abusive experience in her life. And mm -hmm. if that has not been processed, if that has not been healed, then they're going to bring that problem into their sexual relationship. I have a question for you. Sure. My wife, um, uh, she has experienced since she's been out for a long time. She has experienced that in relationships that when someone has not processed their sexual trauma or sexual abuse trauma, that sometimes they come on very strong in the relationship in the beginning, and then it sort of just fades away and then nothing happens. Right. Right. Is, you know, I wasn't, you know, sometimes, sometimes I question things and I'm like, yeah, is that a myth or is that just a ton of myth? <laughs> is that real or is that just a ton? Is it real? Is that, is that, would you agree? Like, does that really happen? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. That, that does happen. And there are ways as a couple that you can deal with that, right? Mm -hmm. Even if the sexual um, trauma has not been fully processed, because mm -hmm. what's really important is that the woman who has the sexual trauma mm -hmm. has a way to um, set boundaries, can share with her partner what feels okay and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. And they learn that in the middle of lovemaking, if something comes up for the partner who's traumatized, that she then can reach for her partner in an emotional way and mm -hmm. say, I need this to stop right now. I just need you to hold me. Mm -hmm. And so there really, and I just got chills when mm -hmm. I said that, mm -hmm. um, and there really can be ways that within the relationship, some of that trauma can get healed. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the other reason why I love doing couples therapy, right. because there's something very, very powerful about healing within the relationship. Right. I, I agree with that. I think that, um, you know, I always, I've always like advise my folks that like, if they are experiencing conflict or some of the stuff that you've just, just described in their, in their relationship with their partner, the real question is, is the partner ready to take a look at that mm -hmm. and work with you? Because I do believe that in like, you know, I'm a Stan Tan Tankin fan, you know, in, in, in a relationship that you really do have an opportunity to heal each other from past yeah. traumas. And I have seen that with my wife and I, mm -hmm. like there have been things mm -hmm. that have happened that where she responds in a way that no one else has ever responded to me in my life. Yeah. And so like, you know, that in that moment, it does heal a piece mm -hmm. of of some of the stuff that I have experienced mm -hmm. and, and vice versa. I mean, I right. have done that too, where you just show up, you know, yep. to that scared little girl and, and you give yeah. them comfort, you know, because mm -hmm. both of us come from pretty chaotic childhoods, which that's very normal. Typically right. people, yeah. People who come from chaotic childhoods, we find each other. <laughs> My ex-husband came from one too. You know, we I just, just, I just assume we all come. Yeah. we all pretty yeah. much do when I meet somebody that says oh I had an amazing child and I'm always like what <laughs> well you know I actually just um finished up working with a couple I, I didn't see them for very long it was a lesbian couple and they were the healthiest two people 
I've come across in a long time. And you're like, like wow. Right, yeah. <laughs> they both had really good self-esteem. They were able to be vulnerable with each other. They were able to connect. They were able to not get defensive. I mean, it was just, it was like six sessions and hey, you guys are good to go. Well, that's wonderful. Good for I know. them. <laughs> I know, I know, yeah. So since I work with later in life lesbians that are often in their first female relationship, what are, I don't want to focus on the negative. What are some green flags? Like when they're in, because they get so worried about, mm -hmm. you know, and, and then a lot of times they do all the reading about the catalyst and they're, you know, mm -hmm. and how disastrous can be. And so a lot of times women in their first relationship are very worried about like how to maintain it. How, you know, is it going to end? I mean, it is, it is a big concern. Um, how, what are some green flags? If you're just coming out you are in your first queer relationship with somebody. What are some things that are positive? Positive, you mean to look at? Yeah, like you're like a green, instead of a red flag, like what's a green flag? <laughs> well, okay. So one of the things um, that comes to mind is you want to be with someone who's patient mm -hmm. and can really give you the space to kind of navigate the transition and that is very hard it's very um hard. It's especially very hard. if you're somebody who's been out for a really long time um because it, sometimes you forget like how hard it is when you're first coming out and it's very hard not to take on your partner's sorrow of the end of her old life mm -hmm. and and it's it's you know it took my wife a full year to realize mm -hmm. that it had nothing to do that my sorrow over the end of my marriage, over the end of what, the way I had lived my life really hadn't, she was the spot of joy in my life during that right. time, but right. it took her a year to realize that, oh, wait a minute, this isn't about me. Right, right. You know? but, and it, yeah. but it was hard uh -huh. because she had never been in a real, I was the first woman she'd ever been in a relationship with that had children. She had never yeah. been with a woman. Well, that was, children. you know, we didn't get to it, but that was the other <laughs> that often comes up yeah yeah is you know what do you do with the blending of a family and mm -hmm, this mm -hmm. parent and what role do they have but so but like let me get back to your question because I think it's an important one so you know there's the the patience um and what you need to have patience is you need to have your own sense of security mm -hmm. because what often happens in these relationships is that the partner who is not the later in life partner mm -hmm. ends up feeling insecure mm -hmm. about, well, am I, am I just the first one? And is she going to move on from me? And am I the person bringing her out? And, mm -hmm. and is she just going to leave me? Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, uh, having a partner as, in that transition, who's patient mm -hmm. and has a sense of security and, really really wants this relationship to work how about the women that um both leave their husbands at the same time to each other what are because that's a totally different dynamic like oh, yeah. what are some of the green flags for that so often when that happens those women have been really good friends for, mm -hmm. right that, absolutely is that what you're finding yeah and so so for those women, I think they have a solid basis of mm -hmm. friendship and trust 
Um, and so again, I think seeing that as a green flag is very, very important that something has developed between the two of them over a period of time that can be trusted. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's a green flag. It's, you know, this is a really challenging question. Well, I also think it's a green flag too, is even if you're both leaving marriages, like the second piece of advice about um, the sense of, um, you know, giving them a space to navigate because when I, I don't know when you when two women you know find each other and leave their marriages and end up together, how their families and spouses react can react totally different. Right. Like somebody can have a really supportive ex spouse, you know, their family's fine, and then somebody could be like you know have somebody that tortures them, <laughs> and 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 the, and then people are so angry at them, and so their level of of what happens it is different, and so. Sometimes you have to give your pay partner just this again the space to be able to grieve what they need to grieve when they are changing their life significantly like that. Yeah, I, I, you know, so I think that that's, you know, that's probably one of the biggest factors. The other thing that comes to mind is as a green flag is if both of the women can talk about what are the emotional issues coming. Mm -hmm. Right. And again, not take it personally, mm -hmm. be able to listen with curiosity, because as you're saying, they may have different experiences or they may have some of the same experiences. But what's so important is just to listen with that kind of curious mind, open heart so that you can say, you know, um, this is hard. Mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. it is hard this is this is it's it's great and it's joyful and I love being with you and it's hard mm -hmm. I am giving up things well and it, and it, and also too um it's it's very hard for some people to understand that two things like that can exist at the same time that, you know, especially um, if one of the partners comes from a place where, you know, it was either good or bad, and that's was mm -hmm. it, there was nothing right. in between, there was no right. nuance. And so that is, I always feel like, you know, the coming process, it, coming out process is like this holding of two opposite emotions <laughs> at the same time, Absolutely. and often many other emotions too. But like, I did a piece for um, What's Your Grief, and talked about the grief of the later in life coming out experience. Mm -hmm. And, and there's this little like, like the little graphic we used is like the, she was holding a ball that had joy and one of the one of them and the other ball held held grief mm -hmm. and so you know holding joy and grief at the same time which is is really hard and ex and can be an exhausting and can feel overwhelming another thing i have noticed too is that um a lot of times people, women coming out later in life often have a really good relationship with their catalyst or with, you know, and often throw it away because mm -hmm. of pressure that they get from mm -hmm. family and friends, or they think, oh, I need to go and be with a bunch of women before I settle down on somebody. And, and so I think that a lot of times people don't like, I personally think that sometimes people like give up too easily and okay. and just say this isn't going to work because mm -hmm. of xyz but a lot of times they have a really good person they mm -hmm. just need to sort of navigate all the hard things mm -hmm. that 
they that people have to navigate when you know yeah. and a lot of times people have been in the relationship with their spouse or their husband for 20 30 years right. and that's the only person they've ever dated <laughs> so they've never yeah. really dated anybody in their life and so i see a lot of people give up on relationships sometimes mm -hmm. that are good and also too i see people give up on relationships that are extremely toxic and you're like why are you with this person right exactly yeah, but, but it's also why i'm putting together this course i mean because like i don't know what kind of lesbian couples you know are gonna join i'm sure it'll be a variety but especially the couple where one is later in life and the other is lifelong right mm -hmm. those there are challenges yeah. to those relationships a lot of pretty unique challenges and yes I want and, to support those relationships. Well, and it's funny because I get, I often get the women that are the, the longtime lesbians who reach out to me because there's nothing out mm -hmm. there because, mm -hmm. you know, we know as, as, you know, like in the queer community, you know, they'll say run, you know, <laughs> it's like, it's not that simple, no. you know, it's just no. not that simple. And, mm -hmm. um, a lot of times people who have been out a long time, just really have a lot of challenges with it. So I'm really glad that you're going to be able to support them yeah. and I can send them somewhere because I'm not a couples. I don't want to do couples work. I commend you for doing that. <laughs> um, but I'm not a couples person. And so, um, you know, I think it's really good to have that available for people because it is confusing and 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 also too like you forget the feelings of what it's like you mm -hmm. know to just come out you a lot of women do think that the you know am I going to be someone's experiment I hear that right. you know and, and a lot right. of times and also two people who've been out a long time have often dated somebody who's just starting to come out and then the person decides not to come out exactly. and so they've been hurt before and right. so they're very very cautious and right. Um, so it's, there's a, it's unique challenges when somebody is like, everybody's past 35 and, you know, someone's been out for a while and someone's just coming out. There are very unique challenges. I know, you, that, know, you just gave me a thought. Mm -hmm. We could do a mini course yes. <laughs> for this, this lesbian couple pairing. Right? Yes. Like that yes. would be so great, especially for them early on mm -hmm. in their relationship. Mm -hmm. It would, because that is like, probably I'm in a lot of those groups online and that is often like some of the things that people ask continuously yeah. and that's, we'll, we'll talk. So okay. Robin, <laughs> tell me what your coming out song was. Um, I put this on the forms. Um, I can me, help you. Oh, oh, I know. I know. I know. Okay. Um, so there's this song from Wicked. Mm -hmm. that is called defying gravity mm -hmm. and that is like my theme song right mm -hmm. because I feel like I defied gravity and so you know what that's what? my song too oh my god yeah that's one of my songs and also uh this is me I'm a Broadway show person uh -huh. there's a gay man madly in my body trying to escape <laughs> but <laughs> yeah so yeah <laughs> that one gravity um and I might have put down the indigo girls the power you did yeah you did that's a yeah. sweet song that I is. really like some, that, that is song. a really good song yeah and you love the secret life of bees oh, I love that book and I thought you would you know resonate to that by mm -hmm. Sue Monk Kid I mean when I when I think about the books that linger for me they have certainly very strong, powerful women. Female characters, yeah. Yep, women heroines. Um, and they're also survival stories. Mm -hmm. um, so there's The Secret Life of Bees. I think I put down The Nightingale, which is mm -hmm. about 
uh, resistance, um, women's resistance during um, World War II. Um, and so, yeah, there really is a theme um, to the books that I, I, that I carry with me. Mm -hmm. And how would you describe your life today? A lot of change. How would you describe it now? My life today is wonderful. Mm -hmm. I really can't complain. Mm -hmm. My life, I have a very good, full, happy life with people in my life who love me and cherish me. And, you know, Jude and I often say, we have the best relationship of anyone we know. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, that's just a really good feeling. And, um, you know, I just um, celebrated my son got married in September and we were all there together, my ex-husband and his girlfriend and Jude and me and my daughter and her girlfriend. And it was just a wonderful celebration. Um, so, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm good. I'm good in my life. So if people want to find you, where can they find you and how do they reach out to you? Okay. So um, the best way to get a hold of me is through my website, which is securelesbiancouples.com. Um, I also have an Instagram page, Secure Lesbian Couples. And you can also go to my private practice website, which is the Brandywine Center. And you can email me from there. You can call me from there. Um, so, you know, if you just type in Robin Cezanne, two things will come up. <laughs> My psychology practice. And then what we haven't talked about is I also have an art business. And so Robin Cezanne art will come up as well. And you can contact me through either place. Wonderful. Um, thank you so much for being on the show today, yeah, Robin. It was wonderful to talk with you. Yeah, you too. You too. You've been listening to Coming Out and Beyond, LGBTQIA plus stories with Anne-Marie Zanzel. New episodes of the Coming Out and Beyond podcast drop every other Friday. You can tune in at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and at annemariezanzel.com. Be sure to hit subscribe when tuning in so you never miss an episode. And for more resources, articles, videos, and a free downloadable guide for coming out later in life, visit annemariezanzel.com.